This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Josh and I, we'd love to give you something for free. That's right. We've got a brand new book coming out called Love People, Use Things. It comes out July 13th. But if you pre-order it before June 1st, you get the free companion workbook that goes alongside this. Head on over to lovepeopleusethings.net to find all the details. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, simpletons. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Ryan, we all want friendship in our lives. Yes. So we accumulate scores of friends. You have scores of friends? Well, we collectively. Oh, okay. It's scores of acquaintances and co-workers and partners and lovers and companions and contacts and colleagues and associates. But in time, we realize that relationship clutter is getting in the way of loving, meaningful connections. So today, we're going to talk about decluttering friendships. Mm. Ryan, I'm going to need four men and a hundred Bibles for this episode. (laughs) Oh, that poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you and I were at a coffee shop uh, last year. Well, two years ago now. Last year didn't count, right? Yeah, they shut down, didn't they? I don't know. I think during the pandemic they probably did. Metro uh. Cafe out in Santa Monica. And, and this guy walks in off the street, this beautiful, manic, homeless man yeah. uh, who was just this ball of like light and energy. And he walks up to the front counter. You want to explain what he said? Yeah, so Josh and I were ordering some coffee, which, by the way, at this place, it's pay what you want, which is amazing. It's a nonprofit, so you can literally non- pay nothing, or I would always overpay because I'm like, it's a nonprofit. Right, yeah, yeah. It's a great it's, it's a great concept. Um, and it was working until the pandemic. But anyway, so we're sitting there ordering coffee, and this man comes in, and he looks at one of the baristas, and he's like, I think I figured it out. And he's like, really, man? Cool. What'd you figure? Like, you know, just being nice to him. What'd you figure out, man? He's like, all I need are four men and a hundred Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, give me four men and a hundred Bibles. And we're going to the park. <laughs> and, and a piece of me wanted this, like, there was a love in this man yeah. that, that now I, I don't want to approach the world the same way as him, but that's okay too, right? Yeah. But there was this love that he was emanating. And so I, I kind of want that to be the theme of today because we're going to be talking about decluttering friendships. It's not an unloving thing that we're talking about. What we're talking about is how to love someone, sometimes even from a distance. Mm. And it's most loving when we prioritize our relationships. Yeah. I hear one of us is recently vaccinated. Yes. Does that mean we can still be friends? I, I, I don't know. I guess it's up to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a record, record number of questions today. I mean, Sean, you did an amazing job. In fact, uh, I think the maximal episode will be so long that we might have to take like several pee breaks or something. Mm. Uh, we have so many amazing questions about... Mm. 
decluttering relationships, friendships, partnerships, colleagues, coworkers, etc. So Ryan, I figure we just go ahead and dive yeah. right into our questions. We have one from Facebook. We're at The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, by yeah. the way, if you want to follow us over there. Penny has a question for us. Penny wrote in, how can I stop feeling pressured to keep up with so many connections? I don't want to ax anybody, but I just don't have the time or mental energy. I have too many friends, and they have all been my friends for almost 20 years. Wow. Those are some long-lasting relationships there. Wow. There are no bad apples. I've been in everyone's weddings. Most of my friends are not friends with each other, so getting everyone together at the same time is not often a possibility. I feel spread thin. I value my time alone and to myself as well. So the thing that stands out here is how Penny feels. Um she feels spread thin. Yes. And it's possible to be spread thin with a lot of good things because it doesn't sound like she's ho- holding on any toxic relationships. Right. It's just she wants to hang out with everyone. I've I might have come across this problem a time mm. or two. Yeah, I, I believe that. So Penny's an extrovert probably, mm. or at least even if she's not, she has been told by society what the expectation is you accumulate friends Mm -hmm. and you hold on to those friends for your entire life Mm. as opposed to understanding that some friendships in fact i i think most friendships have some sort of expiration date Mm. in fact we're going to talk about that a bit on the maximal episode this thursday on patreon some expiration date. how do we determine It'd be, it'd be nice if you, when you met someone, they had like a little, little expiration label on them. <laughs> like this relationship is good until January 2023. Man, that would be convenient. Huh? It's interesting. Living in Los Angeles, the big one of the biggest problems I, I face is running across so many awesome people. Mm. There's so many amazing people in LA. Right. And you don't have time to hang out with them all. Right. Now, there are like a handful of friends that I'll see on a regular basis, which for me is like once every couple months but like in missoula it was that would have been too long two months would have been too long like my friends were so local and i could see them on a regular basis we could meet up you know grab a quick dinner or a quick lunch or a quick cup of coffee or in la it's it's a lot harder to get from point a to point b yeah it's much more spread out so if you live in Pasadena and you have a friend in Malibu, you're never even right. going to see that. They might as well live in another state. Right. But if I tried to maintain my friendships in LA like I did in Missoula, it would spread me too thin. That's a great point. And so what you're saying here is that as your life changes, maybe it's ge- geography-based, maybe it has to do with what you're working on creatively or professionally at the time, or maybe you've, you've started a family, and so your priorities tend to shift. And as a result, the way that you allocate your time needs to shift as well. Mm. Otherwise, we feel what? Spread thin. Yeah. And, and the only reason we feel spread thin is because we've assumed the expectation. By the way, no one even told you that you needed to continue to spend time with all these people because a friend can be a friend even if you see them once a year or once every other year. Mm. Uh, Some of my closest friends I haven't seen in three or four or five years. I talk to them on the phone occasionally. Mm. My friend Jamar, who I write about and love people use things, our new book that comes out in July, now, I, I, wrote, write, I write about him. He's in Cincinnati. I haven't seen him. I've seen him once in the last five years. Wow. The last time I saw him was at our Dayton event at Press. 
Oh wow! When yeah, he showed up. Yeah. So that was back in 2012. Yeah, that's wild. Or maybe even I 2011. Mean, him and I aren't like as good of friends as you guys, but yeah, I mean it's it's uh yeah it's been a while since I've seen him too. And I talked to him on the phone, and but we live in different states. And what I've realized is, it doesn't have to be that you know when I get when I become friends with someone and we're texting or talking to each other. It doesn't have to be that way forever. Maybe we don't live in the same city. My, my favorite example of this is Colin Wright, uh, one of our closest friends, yeah. right? In fact, one of our books, uh, Everything That Remains, is dedicated to Colin. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we wrote the first draft of that book right when we were starting uh, Asymmetrical Press, the, the publishing company that we started. And we moved into a house with Colin, me, you, and him. And we mm-hmm. saw each other every day and talked to each other every day. Mm. But at this point, I talked to him maybe a couple times a year, you yeah. know, two, three times a year. And that's okay because as life ebbs and flows, it's not that we're growing apart. We're not in the same city. But what is nice, because there isn't that expectation for constant communication, mm. when we do end up being in the same city, that time together is so much more meaningful because it's not peppered with just the the sort of bland natterings of everyday tete-a-tetes with with acquaintances. Mm -hmm. Not that those things are wrong. The problem is when we expect ourselves by the way no one else is expecting this or if they are expecting it Mm -hmm. don't you don't have to let someone else's expectations dictate how you spend your time if you do that you're, you're going yeah. to feel discontented so the real problem here is because you know, when I read the beginning of this this it almost sounds like she's bragging at first I got all these friends I've had them for so long and they're awesome there's no bad friends and it's wonderful and it's like well okay but what's the problem oh the problem is I feel an obligation mm. to spend in an inordinate amount of time with these people yeah and so it's not about even letting go of the relationships here, it's about decluttering the expectation, the obligation that you have thrust upon yourself. Most of the pressure we feel is internal pressure. And that external pressure, if there is some of it, you don't have to you don't have to hold on to that either. Yeah. Yeah, Penny, I mean there's a delta between what she doesn't want to axe anybody, but what she does want is to not be so spread thin. So, you know, there has to be some type of uh, the only word I can think of is reckoning, but I'm not saying that pejoratively. It's reconciling, just, yeah, maybe. there's some reconciling that needs to happen, and Penny needs to be honest. Like, hey, uh, how much time do you need to reclaim, and how can you work with your friends to reclaim that time? Some of my favorite friendships. Um, like, I got a friend, John Sweeney. You know John Sweeney? Yeah, in Ireland. Yeah, over, uh, yeah, over in Ireland. And I see him once every two years, maybe once every three years, something like that. Mm-hmm. But when we're together, we have the best time. Exactly. Me and his wife and uh, even his kids. Like we, we, Mariah and I just like have an awesome time with their family. And you don't have to text him every day or get on Skype right. with him every day for that to happen. And every time we see each other, it's like, it's like we just saw each other the day before. Exactly. And that, that is, that's a sign of a good friendship. Yeah. So it's okay, Penny, that you you know you, you don't see these friends that you really admire and really love. It's okay that you don't see them as much as you want to. I guarantee you that if they're really awesome friends, if they're as awesome as you say they are, which I I know they are, Penny. Um, whether you see them once a week or once a month or once every other month, I know that you you can still be friends with those people and still have just as meaning uh, as many meaningful experiences. Uh, Penny, yeah. I'm going to send you a copy of our book. 
minimalism live a meaningful life what we're really talking about here is reprioritizing our relationships in that book we talk about the three tiers of relationships we have primary relationships secondary relationships and the peripheral relationships and we try to delineate because unfortunately in our culture what happens and i think this is where the stress comes from We'll often spend 90% of our time with people in that periphery, mm. and there's nothing wrong with these people. Like I said, there aren't even bad apples here, right? Right. But the, the problem is that when we do that, when all of our time, 80 or 90% of our time is allocated with coworkers and colleagues and acquaintances and networking buddies, you're mm. forsaking the people closest to you, right? Yeah. And so you're coming home really late, and it's like, well, I spent all the time with the person in the cubicle next to me, these relationships that are birthed out of proximity and convenience. So there's an entire relationship chapter there. And you, what you'll realize in that is, yeah, sometimes we do have to, as you say, axe some relationships, some toxic relationships, let go of toxic relationships. And we'll be talking about that a bit on the Maximal episode this Thursday on Patreon. But uh, I, I do want to, before we, before we move on, uh, I do want to say that maybe we think about some different language. Uh, Ryan said reconciling. Mm. That's a much better way to think about it than axing the relationships or yeah. reprioritizing yeah. instead of axing the relationships. So if you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Or if you want the book book or the ebook version, we'll send those to you as well. You know, one of the biggest mistakes I made in the corporate world, one of the many mistakes I've made, is I really tried to be fr- Most of my friends were in the corporate world. They were, they were coworkers. I had some outside friends, but I really went out of my way to like make friends inside inside of the corporation, and it actually hurt me in a lot of ways. Um, like, there's a certain point where I had to accept, like, oh, these people aren't going to be my friends. So I had this expectation, like, I can be friends with anyone. Yes, but you know, they have their own lives outside of the corporation. The smart ones did; uh-huh. <laughs> they had their own lives outside the corporation. Uh, they would go work and go home. Where I'm like, no, let's hang out and be friends. But it really it just drove me crazy, and uh, it it was it was just wasn't a good idea. And as you said, you had that expectation, meaning you picked it up. Right. No one handed it to you, mm-hmm. and even if someone did try to hand you that expectation, you can politely refuse it. Yeah. Which we're also going to talk about. But Brooke has a question from Instagram. I've never struggled to declutter my friends on social media when they no longer have a meaningful place in my life. But how do I explain their removal when they ask me about it without hurting their feelings? Let me ask you this, Ryan. So I actually like that Brooke put friends in quotation marks here, right? Yeah. Because it's almost as though we need a new word to describe our quote, friends on Mm. social media. (laughs) E-friends. There we go. That's beautiful, (laughs) right? Because uh, Ryan and I happen to be social media friends, but not really. We're just friends, friends, right? Like we know each other. We spend time with each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't spend time with a lot of people. We're barely friends on social media. (laughs) (laughs) We're way more friends in real life. (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely true, right? Now, part of that is because you and I don't spend very much time on social media, right? And and I think maybe the other problem is many of us, at least for the longest time, even you and I fit in this category. Many of us don't spend much time in real life. Oh man! Ooh. Uh, and and so that's why we're then drawn to the the Facebook friends or the Instagram mm. friends. And so yes, there there can be some tension here when you unfollow someone on social media. I've had to unfollow certain friends recently, especially when like. Um, the election is nearby and I see them. It's not that I don't want them to have their own opinion and everything else. I don't, I simply don't want their opinion thrust onto me. Mm. And so quite often what I'll do is I will unfollow everyone and I'll refollow just the people 
that yeah. it makes sense to follow. I actually learned this from you, Ryan. It was a practice that you did a few years ago. Yeah, I uh, I got that from Jason Zook. Okay, he would he would do that. So it, it inspired me to do the same thing. Yeah, what I love about that is when you have when you're following zero people, you because I would still go on social media, but you really start to find out who it is that you care about. Because when I would go to Twitter or I'd go to Instagram, I would look up specific people like, oh, what are they up to? And then after a month, I'm like, oh, okay, here are like at least the 20 people I know that I'm checking in on, you know, when I get on these platforms. So I know that I want to follow them. And then, you know, sure enough, I think I started like with 20 and now, you know, whatever I'm at right now on Instagram, I couldn't tell you, but mm -hmm. it's getting to the point again where it's a little bit too much. Yes. So I might do this fast again. So Brooke, uh, there's nothing wrong with having a, uh, a, a, a social media fast. And ultimately, I guess I would say like, Brooke, you don't have to explain yourself to anyone. Yeah. Although I'll tell you what's messed up, man. So, uh, deleted Facebook. They didn't, when someone requests me as a friend, it just says, oh, you've sent a friend request to Ryan Nicodemus. Your friend request is pending. And I've had people come up to me and they're like, why, why won't you accept my friend request, man? <laughs> and I'm like, on what? And they're like, Facebook. I'm like, I'm not on Facebook. They're like, oh, well, that makes sense. But like, it's almost, it's uh, Snapchat. When I deleted Snapchat, um, I mean, I think I'm back on there now, but a while ago I deleted Snapchat and my brother got a message. It said, uh, Ryan Nicodemus blocked you. Oh, wow. And he sent me a screenshot. He's like, dude, what's up with this? And I'm like, that's messed up, man. Like these platforms are literally they are creating unnecessary tension yes so your friends can peer pressure you into getting back on the platform yes it's really evil man if you think about it i i totally agree with that and so i mean it depends on on what the person says to you in most cases as ryan illustrated 99.9 .9 of the time the person either a won't notice at all mm -hmm. i would have no idea if you unfollowed me or unsubscribe or whatever yeah, like I, I would have no idea i wouldn't have i don't have any sort of notification set up or anything like mm -hmm. that or if they do notice if they love you they will understand yeah a and so they'll understand what that you're trying to protect your own mental health or if they don't understand, mm -hmm. well, then that says something about them. It doesn't say anything about you. Now, if someone does come up to you as part of the you know, 0.01% or 0.1% of folks who do notice it and they are offended and they want to say something to you, then, of course, you can say, oh, well, obviously, it, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I simply unfollowed everyone or I, I decided to do a social media detox. And so I had to unfollow detox, yeah. uh, a lot of people because what I realized is I was saying yes to social media mm -hmm. and it prevented me from saying yes to what was truly important. Yeah. And we can tell people that here's what I'm saying yes to when they are asking you, if you care about them, you love them. Like Ryan said, you don't owe anyone an explanation mm -hmm. and you don't have to explain anything. Mm -hmm. But if someone comes up to you and says, Hey, you hurt my feelings and you feel compelled to have a deep, meaningful conversation with them, mm -hmm. then talk to them about not what you're saying no to. What am I? I'm not renouncing anything. I'm saying yes to something else. In order to say yes to this, I had to let go of some of my old habits. Yeah. Absolutely. The people who love you will, they will understand. And if they don't understand, then probably was better you unfollowed them anyway. Well, right. <laughs> because maybe you have different values. In fact, Brooke, I'm going to send you a copy of our new book, Love People Use Things. It's not out yet, but it will be out July 13th. I'll hold it up if you're watching this on YouTube. 
Love people use things because the opposite never works. It's available for pre-sale right now. So if you head on over to lovepeopleusethings.net, if you're in the U.S., Canada, Australia, the UK, Ireland, several other places. You can pre-order it now. It's also going to be in dozens of languages. Stay tuned to our newsletter for when your language comes out. Love People Use Things, the values chapter in here. So it's about seven different relationships. One of those is our relationship with our values. Getting really clear on your values and also the values of the people closest to you will help you better interact with those people so you don't have to explain yourself because explaining yourself is at the end of sort of indiscretion, right? But if you can cut it off by, by sharing your values with other people, then they will already understand. And if they understand, then it doesn't require an explanation anyway. Also, there's a chapter in here about people, our relationship with people. It's my favorite chapter in the book. And in fact, on the Maximal episode this week, I'm going to read an excerpt from the people chapter. Mm. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages Text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Those texts go to both of our phones during the lightning round. This is where Ryan and I do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place, minimalmaxims.com. All right. Carol's got a question. What does a truly healthy friendship look like? I have a a pithy answer for you. I I think, let me just be clear about this because we have to be careful with the word healthy. Mm. Quite often we use that uh, to say good. Mm. Like what is a good relationship? Mm. And if by good you mean fulfilling, that's one thing. We use good as just sort of this placeholder word. Mm. But unfortunately we often mean good as in like morally good. And I will just say that there aren't morally good or morally bad relationships. If someone's harming you, then they are being, you know, they're Mm. creating, they are creating these immoral indiscretions. And and so that's something different. But if we're talking about a healthy relationship, here's my pithy answer for you. A healthy relationship is one that enhances your life without trying to change the other person. Mm. You know, we often say, Ryan, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I can't say, well, Ryan, I really think that you you should cut your arm off. It would really make me happy if you cut your arm off, right? Right away. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, no, instead, it's like, well, I I can start to surround myself. That's really what's going to make me happy. I'm going to have to go search for people who have one arm, right? Right. As opposed to trying to sever off my best friend's arm. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's a ridiculous, parodic exaggeration. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it illustrates a point. Instead of changing someone in my life, I can surround myself with supportive, caring people. Also, I found this uh, other mm. definition here that, that I, really stood out to me. There's this gal, Emma Krebs. She has a podcast called The Curious One. I know about it because Bex was on her podcast recently. And so mm. was our friend Colin Wright. Mm. I told her I would do episode 100 of her podcast, which I think she's about 50 episodes away from. So she has something to work toward. But uh, The Curious One podcast, this is from her Instagram account, at The Curious One podcast. And she took a, the screenshot. I think it is a reworking of Dr. Nicole LaPera's thoughts on relationship. And here it says, relationship, noun. A safe space to evolve through life together. Hmm. Let's break that down for a second. So a safe space to evolve through life together. So a healthy relationship, Ryan's and my relationship, or Ryan and, and Mariah's relationship, for example. 
it is a safe space, meaning it's there is no it's not about tension or judgment. If I if I commit some sort of act or indiscretion or error, mm-hmm. it's not about your judgment of me. If I do need help and I ask for help, you'd be willing to help me. I know that. Mm-hmm. But it's not about changing that other person. That's what that safe space is about. Evolving through life together means that as you change, your relationship changes as well. Uh, Bex uh, on her podcast, How to Love, and I were having this conversation about uh, there isn't really a relationship so much as there's two people who are constantly evolving. And as we travel on the same path together, like when you and I lived with Colin for that year in Missoula, like we were very closely on that same exact path mm-hmm. for a year. But then his path sort of bifurcated from ours mm-hmm. and for a period of time. But of course, they may come back together at some point yeah. as well. And so a relationship doesn't have a defined period of time. It's what is going on right now. And as we change, the quote-unquote relationship changes as well. Yeah. It's interesting because that definition has the word evolve, right? Yes. And evolution is changing. Right. So you're not trying to change someone. You are trying to support them in their changes. That's a great way to put it. Uh, my fifth answer is this. There are three main ingredients in a healthy relationship. Love, respect, and understanding. And and how to, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, uh, Love People Use Things, mm-hmm. there is a recipe in there that we have for a healthy relationship. And I think uh, there are eight ingredients in there. That's right. So yeah. So there are certainly more ingredients than love, respect, and understanding. But I know that this is my context mm-hmm. whenever I start to find myself uh, get, like having a, having a knee-jerk reaction or getting a little upset or whatever it is with, with any of my relationships, romantic friendships, or even like a colleague. Mm-hmm. It's like I have to go back to, okay, if I want to not, if I want, if I want to de-escalate whatever's happening right now inside of me, then I have to focus on this context of love, respect, and understanding because even when you go meet someone for the first time, you go order a coffee. You know, when you're when you're talking to the barista, all they want is they want to see that a you respect them, b that uh, you know you have some type of understanding where they're coming from, and that you're being a genuine, loving, kind person. Like you can never go wrong with that. Right. So if if any of those, I will say, if any of those three ingredients are missing from the relationship, it's probably not going to be. Maybe instead of healthy, we say meaningful. It wouldn't be a very yes. meaningful relationship if you're missing uh, one of those three ingredients. I, I agree with that. And so yeah, there are eight ingredients. I'll just go through those real quick. There's a section in Love People Use Things called Repairing and Strengthening Relationships, and it talks about the eight different ingredients here. Uh, what Ryan and I pinpointed the eight elements of great relationships, of meaningful relationships, and if I were to characterize those elements today, I'd define them as follows. And so I'm not even going to read through all the definitions, but we have love, so you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. You have trust, mm-hmm. honesty, mm-hmm. and so trust and honesty are slightly different, and that's why they're both in here. Caring, support, attention, Mm-hmm. authenticity mm-hmm. and understanding and then we break down understanding which has like four main ingredients mm-hmm. respect is one of those ingredients mm-hmm. that's that's sort of the third ingredient and I like what you say there Ryan about the three main ingredients because like if you make your famous masaman curry mm. there might be three main ingredients but there's going to be more than three ingredients uh, that are important for a meaningful relationship well, yeah like the masaman curry 
actually, it's it's funny because uh, just to continue the analogy, there are several ingredients just in that curry mm-hmm. that have to come together right. to make the Masamon curry. So, and that can be the like understanding. So, right. understanding is tolerance, acceptance, mm-hmm. respect, and then appreciation. That's how you truly understand yeah. someone. You you awaken to that person when you're able to appreciate them, warts and all. Yeah. Now, Ryan, I do want you to talk about real quick the de-escalating because you sure. mentioned that if if because de-escalating is an important part of meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. So why would someone want to de-escalate in a relationship? Uh, you don't always, when you hear that, you don't always associate that with relationships. Yeah, if you're escalating tension or you know an argument or whatever it is in a relationship, you are pushing that person further away. Mm. And the more you escalate, the more you're going to push, which is going to lead to uh, resentment. It's going to lead to, sometimes it'll lead to you feeling guilty for pushing that person away. I mean, it leads to all types of negative emotions. And unfortunately, it'll eventually lead to a toxic relationship. Yes. So de-escalating is going to be the hardest thing to do, especially if you're in the moment and you're very heated and you're very angry and you feel disrespected. It's, the, it's a very uncomfortable to de-escalate. However, in the long run, like that's going to be your best option Anytime you're or 99.999% of the time uh, that, you know, you're getting into an argument. I, I want to talk about respect a little bit because a lot of people, they have the expectation of they need to be respected. Oh, and you know, the, you know, oh, that so-and-so was disrespect. It was di- disrespect to me and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to disrespect them back. But the thing is, is like in order to be respected, you have to respect others that's how you earn it that's how you earn respect is by respecting others you don't walk into a situation demanding respect and then all of a sudden you base your actions off of whether or not that person is respecting you if they start to disrespect you a little bit you, if anything you should go again to de-escalate go out of your way to respect them because that's the only way you're actually going to get them to uh, well, understand yes. where you're coming from. I want to talk real quick about attention as well, and then we can maybe wrap up by talking about toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, what is a toxic relationship? We can try to define that a bit. But attention is this fascinating thing because that is one of the eight elements that we, we covered there for a meaningful relationship. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it, we can have misguided attention. Mm-hmm. Another way to think of attention is focus, right? So if you focus on on something you may be focusing on the quote-unquote wrong thing of the relationship yeah someone everyone has their quirks and foibles and and idiosyncrasies and your partner or friend or family member might do one thing that drives you insane and if you focus on that then you're not you're actually getting in the way of your overall awareness of the person Mm -hmm. Uh, what to think about that is attention is a spotlight and uh, awareness is a floodlight. Mm. And so having awareness of the overall relationship with the other person mm-hmm. and seeing them for who they are, not who you hope they will become, who mm. you think they should be, yeah. which by the way is toxic behavior, trying to change someone. Uh, it, it, that is a type of of violence sometimes, not yeah. physical violence, but it, the change, you know, the, it's violent the same way an earthquake is violent. Mm. It's not physically harming you directly, although it can indirectly harm you, mm-hmm. but it is forcing the change upon you. Yeah. That is 
uh, th- that's frustrating. And what it does then, that attention, think about the word attention, mm. at tension. Mm. And so if we're just paying attention to all of those things that drive us crazy about the relationship, of course it's bubbling up this tension inside us as opposed to that awareness. Mm. If there's full, open-hearted awareness for the relationship, then there's a type of respect, but also appreciation for the other person. And if you're able to get there, then you're able to truly understand them. And no matter what they do, they cannot harm you. Because who told you that you're supposed to be respected? Who told you that you're supposed to be loved? No, no, no. You're not supposed to be anything. If someone loves you, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. Mm. It, but as Ryan said, back in the corporate days, it was sort of like, you know, I, I'm going to force these people to be my friend. Mm. And it's like, well, if I'm forcing you to be my <laughs> friend, are you, am I really your friend? I remember I was like so heartbroken one time when I thought, you know, this, it was an employee of mine too. Mm. Like it wasn't even like, we weren't even like colleagues in the sense as like he worked for me. Yeah. And I just remember I forget what I've asked him to do something like to hang out or something. He's like, no dude. He's like, I don't, he's like, no, I have my own life at home. (laughs) I just remember being like, you do? (laughs) What's that like? (laughs) Right. And so that's a type of solipsism, right? Solipsism says I am the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, we're all solipsistic in that way because we all in our heads, unless we stop and have that awareness that we talked about a moment ago, Mm -hmm. unless we have uh, an open hearted, open-eyed awareness for the world and the people and the things around us, then all of a sudden it's all about me. Mm. And I get it. It makes sense because it's uh, my attention is always emanating from my consciousness. It's Mm. me watching my television, looking at my phone, reading my book, drinking my water. And so, of course, that's our point of view. What awareness does allows us to step back and say, okay, that's an illusion. You could call it the illusion of self, or, or, but it's an illusion that I am the center of the universe. And if you realize that that's an illusion, then all of a sudden the I am suffering mm-hmm. or I am angry or I am upset or I am tense is also an illusion. Tense, mm-hmm. Tension is appearing. Anger is appearing. And no one has permission to make you angry. You are making yourself angry in every relationship. And it's really hard for us to deal with that. And even now, like sometimes people make me angry, but do they really? Yeah. It's like if the rain comes through and rains all over your picnic, Ryan, mm. did, did, was the rain angry or are you angry? Mm. Was the rain upset or are you upset? Mm. Well, you made that decision, either consciously or unconsciously, to be upset by it. The world goes on with or without your reactive emotion to it. And Mm. so whoever told you that you are, whoever told you that you're supposed to be respected or loved or anything else, no, 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 no. Those are ingredients for a meaningful relationship. Mm -hmm. But you also have to earn those ingredients by reciprocating. Well, the best way to reciprocate is to do it in advance. Yeah. Can we talk about toxic relationships? What is a a toxic relationship? I I have a a loose definition I want to talk to you about because I think this word is often sort of, it's been overused and vapidized over the the last decade or so. We see it all the time now talking about toxic relationships. Yeah. 
But for me, a toxic relationship is one that tries to change me mm. and or one that pressures me. So it's, it's either abusive. That's a type of, of pressure. Uh, mm. It could be physical abuse, emotional abuse, or it can just be passive aggression, right? Yeah. That, that, is, that is also toxic behavior. So mm. I really look at those three ingredients. There's some sort of, of uh, abuse. There is uh, the passive aggressive nature or someone is trying to change me. Mm. Unfortunately, we try to change people all the time. Yeah. You know what that's like, Ryan? Mm. That's like if, uh, say, I go to the doctor because I've got ulcers in my stomach, right? And I'm like, oh, doctor, can you prescribe some medicine for my neighbor, for my best friend, because I have ulcers in my stomach. Mm. And he'd be like, yeah, sure. I'd be like, oh, great. Now I feel better because now I'm giving him, I'm changing him mm. with this medicine. Hmm. Well, no, no, no. I need to look inward and change whatever's going on with me. Mm. The prescription is not for someone else. I don't need to fix you, Ryan. I mm. simply need to readjust the way that I'm interacting with the world. Yeah. I think for me, a toxic relationship is one that moves you further away from tranquility than it does bring you towards it. So, Mm. you know, I mean, relationships are there to help you be more tranquil. Oh, I don't know that I agree with that. Let's let's talk about that. To help you live a more meaningful life. I Um, think your relationships certainly fulfill you. Yeah, so, but, and I think fulfillment will bring you closer to tranquility. But the question is when you're around someone, do they take you further away from tranquility or are they on the journey with you towards tranquility? I'm not okay. saying relationships in general are, yeah, I, I, I don't know what words I use that you disagreed with, but, um, but, but that's ultimately what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, and, I th- and another way to say that is like, think about that us box. Yes. You know, if someone is just taking, the us box is uh, something that, two parties in a relationship give and take from yes because we're not j- just in relationships to give if we said that we would just be lying to ourselves right there are things we take we'd also feel used exactly so and you got to look at that us box um are you uh are you giving or i'm sorry is is the other party mostly taking from that us box uh-huh. and if what they're giving again if what they're giving is bringing you closer to tranquility great but ultimately, when someone takes too much, they're they're a burden on your life. They're not, yeah, they're not a positive influence. Yeah. For sure. In fact, I heard who did I hear say this recently? Oh, it's in this uh, during our added value segment. There is this uh, documentary I'm going to talk about. One of the the, the people in the documentary said. Uh, someone said every relationship is 50-50 and his wife corrected him said every re- relationship is 80-20 mm-hmm. and I append that by saying I think that's more true but it's 80-20 for both people mm. and, and meaning like that us box there are times where you're going to contribute 80% it's, there's never parity it's never 50-50 in just right. about anything or 100%. if it is it's for such a short sliver of time eventually it that parity gets out of alignment and that's okay mm-hmm. a uh, in fact in love people use things we give a definition for love we, we talk about the fourth definition in the dictionary it's a tennis term and that tennis term is a score of zero mm. meaning there isn't a ledger there isn't a a a 
a barometer for a measuring stick for love. If I am, if I am contributing 50% to the relationship, then I love you. That's not what love is. Yeah. That's contribution, which is different from love. Now love will inspire you to contribute beyond yourself. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and that's a beautiful thing. It will, it will inspire you to do a lot of things, to care, to yeah. respect, to, to tolerate, to appreciate, not just the people that you love so-called love or really like when we say we love someone we often mean we like them or even more so that we desire them or desire their validation that's not love either desire is a completely different thing from love and and attachment often gets in the way of our ability to love openly and freely freely and i would say that many of our relationships if not most of our relationships disrupt our especially in the traditional western society those relationships, Ryan, they they disrupt our tranquility. Mm. Think about to all, all of the relationships in your 20s. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of them were constantly just interrupting the peace, yeah. disturbing the peace. Yeah. And, and so that can be toxic. And it's not that anyone has an intention to harm you. Mm. But if they are constantly disturbing your peace then, well, there are ways to navigate that. Yeah. I, I do want to talk to you about that on the Maximal episode this Thursday. But first, Ryan, we got... We got a bunch of voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Hello, I'm Justina from Baltimore. I often hear the question about how to get your spouse involved, so I wanted to share my story. My boyfriend and I have been living together since November of 2006, and I found minimalism in 2018. After that time, I made the effort to really go through my belongings and figure out what was actually valuable. While bagging up items for goodwill, he told me how proud he was of me for decluttering and finally getting rid of my storage unit. I thanked him and told him how I only wish I made the time to do it sooner. Then I told him if he wanted to go through his items, I could wait to go to Goodwill tomorrow. You know, this was my moment to finally talk to him about minimalism and asking him to get rid of his stuff. And he looked at me blankly and said, what stuff would I get rid of? I don't really have any stuff. Uh, Choking back my frustration, I asked him, what did he mean? And he responded to me by When you moved in, I gave up a lot of stuff to make room for you. I let go of some things I thought were really important and even some of my father's belongings. Your place was a lot bigger and cheaper, and you gave that up to make me feel more comfortable and for my happiness. So most of the things I have now either have a lot of value or you gave me as a gift. And I looked around and I noticed most of the stuff in our place was my own. And if I ever moved out, it would be really empty. So my point being is to look around your place. Is it really his stuff in the way, or is it your clutter? Is it your decorations and your mementos making you feel claustrophobic? Would would the place you share ever be empty if you left? My other idea is to ask your spouse the dust. My boyfriend always gets sidetracked, and starts going through his stuff while trying to dust everything. So even though he doesn't have much to get rid of, at least he still actively goes through and cleans his own belongings. 
Hi Josh and Ryan, this is Michelle from West Lafayette, Indiana. I just wanted to leave a comment regarding the digital clutter episode, episode 173, which was awesome by the way. There was a question about feeling guilt when taking people off social media, unfriending, unfollowing, or what have you. Once in a blue moon, I take a radical approach and delete my profile altogether. Now, I realize this won't be everyone's favorite idea. However, I've realized over time that the people who matter most to me will friend me again or vice versa. It's also nice to take what I consider a deep breath or maybe even a detox from that particular social media site. Again, I realize that this is not everyone's cup of tea, but it might be worth considering. All right, y'all, we got a bunch more questions this week. Some amazing questions. Bravo, podcast, Sean about decluttering friendships, about relationships, about toxicity, mm. about so much more. TheMinimalists.com slash support if you want to listen to that this Thursday. Real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of The Minimalists. Since we're talking about decluttering friendships, mm. one thing that we're going to talk about on the Maximal episode this week is, all right, well, what do we do to find new, empowering, supportive relationships in our life? People who share similar interests or the same values as us, especially identifying those foundational values and the structural values and finding people who are like-minded or at least open-minded. And Ryan and I have founded a place who that has, well, connected a whole lot of people, tens of thousands of people at this mm -hmm. point. And we don't want anything from you. You can just head on over to minimalist.org. Mm -hmm. There's a hundred free local meetup groups. We started this in 2014, right? Yeah, uh, we were out on tour. Yeah, it was 2014. Yeah. And, and we, um, we went on tour and we left behind these free local meetup groups in 100 different cities. There's also an online city that's thriving. Thousands and thousands of people who are sharing stories about decluttering, about careers, about letting go of relationships and marriages, about entering new relationships. So finding open-minded or like-minded people over there at minimalist.org. You can connect with some folks over there. For added value sure. this week, Ryan... Um, what do you got for us? This documentary, uh, you're going to really enjoy it. It's uh, by a guy named Lance Oppenheim. Mm. It's called Some Kind of Heaven. Mm -hmm. It takes place in the villages in Florida. Have you heard of the villages? What city is that in? It's its, its own city. Oh, the villages is the name of the city. Yeah. Okay. And, and so it is like its own town. It's the largest retirement community in America. It might be the largest retirement community in the world. Wow. There's 130,000 people in one retirement community. Wow. And it's this fascinating look. And what I realized while I was watching this film is it's called Some Kind of Heaven. Now, to some people, it looks like a total hell. Mm. You know, be, being, it's like this the Stepford picture of retirement. But for some people, it actually is heaven. And so you're finding people who are these sort of like-minded or open-minded people there who all have similar values and they want to share this communal experience together. Mm -hmm. It's not for everyone. And what I realized when I watched this film and how beautiful it is and this sort of social commentary that it lays out, and I wouldn't do it justice describing the whole thing. I don't want to give away certain aspects, but it follows around these different people in the villages. Some of them are elated. I mean, wonderful. They're like dancing, singing. It's like they're reliving their college days. So happy to be there. Yes. Yeah. And there are other people who are miserable and isolated, even though they're around all these people. Dude, that's such a 
it's an interesting, like uh, almost a metaphor for one man's heaven is another man's hell. Exactly. Yeah. So this is some kind of heaven. You can find it wherever you rent films on the DSPs, they call it, the digital streaming platforms. We have a bunch more surprise questions this week, like what relationships have Josh and Ryan personally decluttered recently? How can you declutter family relationships? Mm. When do relationships have an expiration date? How do you make new friends in your 30s and 40s? Surprise, that question came up several times, Ryan. Really? And how do I tactfully but firmly decline social invitations? Plus a million more questions for The Minimalist. If you want to hear all that, join us on The Minimalist private podcast this week. Visit theminimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. You know, we're building a new studio right now. And thanks to our patrons... Uh, we're actually doing, I mean, it's going to be stunning. You're going to enjoy it. No longer we're going to be in this temporary space. I can't wait to get into the new studio. Yeah. Make it beautiful. I was just there this morning with Podcast Sean and Jordan No More. We were taking some measurements, looking at sound panels and a bunch of other stuff. It's going to look gorgeous. Thank you for your support. Oh, by the way, yeah. if you are one of our private podcast supporters, you also get access to all of our archives over there at no additional charge. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. Come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive any new minimalist writings that we publish for free. And if you leave here today with just one message, let it be this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it